Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Hello, and welcome to Discographology, the podcast where we go back in time to Fremont, New Hampshire, 1968. (laughs) Hello. Uh, Hello. And good evening. I'm Mr. Wigan. Welcome to the weekly... uh, Young man, I see what you're doing over there, and that could cause trouble. Please stop. I, again, I, I trust you all receive rules of the town hall upon entry. Again, stay out of the basement, or you'll be sitting with Mrs. Wigan in the kitchen for the remainder of the evening. Yes. Now, no touch dancing, or that could lead to trouble. We're not here for trouble. We're here for a good time. So now, it's my pleasure to introduce Fremont's own A Prophecy in the Making, my daughter's the shags When Austin Wiggin Jr. was a small boy, his mother, who had a knack for reading palms, read Austin's. She predicted three things. One, when Austin was grown, he'd marry a strawberry blonde woman. Two, they'd have two boys after Austin's mother's death. And three, they'd have daughters that would be in a popular music group. Austin grew up poor. He was strict, old-fashioned, and disapproved of long hair on boys and short skirts on girls. He was known for being a loner and ornery. Fremont was predominantly a dairy town. Some folks made handkerchiefs another town over in the Exeter textile plant. Austin went on to become a mill hand. He indeed married a strawberry blonde woman, Annie, and they went on to have two boys after Austin's mother's death. Austin and Annie had a total of seven children. Realizing that two of his mother's predictions had come true, Austin, not a musical fellow, decided to make the third prediction a reality. When they were old enough, Austin pulled his three daughters, Dot, Betty, and Helen, from school, bought them music equipment, no cheap feet, and informed them that they would be taking vocal and music lessons and practicing every day to be in a band that he called The Shags. This was named after the popular haircut in a reference to The Shaggy Dog, the film from 1959. Austin, being very superstitious, believed his mother's words to be gospel. They weren't allowed to have anything that would distract them from this prophecy, such as friends, boyfriends, or outside activities. He didn't want them riding the bus and mixing with outsiders. If they weren't practicing, they were made to do calisthenics. 
What do you remember? What do you remember those days of rehearsals? What sort of pops into your mind as a memory? That I didn't want to do it. <laughs> no, I don't want yet? to do it. Can't we stop? <laughs> We've done it too long, and you know, we had to do exercises and everything. I forgot about those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were they? Jumping jacks. Yeah. Um, um, Push-ups. <laughs> was this all part of the band thing? He uh, was. Yeah. Probably thinking ahead that he wanted to make sure we stayed in shape to if it ever happened or we got to perform or got to be on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> that was his dream. I think he wanted us on the Ed Sullivan I think so show. Too. Was your father sort of strict in general, like about everything? Pretty much. Yes, he was. We couldn't really go too far. We had chores to do. We weren't allowed to go out to dances or anything. We just stayed home. <laughs> He didn't want us to have so much of a social life. Afraid we'd get too involved on the outside. Which we probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> so and whatever we did, we did as a family. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. We did everything family. as a family. Without much practice or time to get acquainted with their new instruments, Austin thought they were ready for a talent show performance over in Exeter in 1968. They were booed, heckled, and had soda cans thrown at them. The sisters were horrified and embarrassed, knowing that they were not yet ready to play live. Austin told them that they needed more practice and to do more calisthenics. Since he was the disciplinarian, they obeyed and tried their best. Their next gig was more politely received when they played the Fremont Nursing Home on Halloween. Here they debuted their new song, It's Halloween. Austin then booked them a weekly gig on Saturday nights in the Fremont Town Hall. This was a big boxy building that actually had a pretty nice stage. The girls were, again, unsure of the prospect of playing weekly, but they were also starved for anything to do other than be at home. Since there wasn't much going on in Fremont, this weekly event would be a popular event to attend, despite the audience's lack of love for the shags. Dot wrote the songs. She and Betty would coordinate for rhythms and song structure, while Helen would make up her own drum parts. It would often sound as if they were all playing a different song, drums sounding completely detached from what the other two were playing. Nonetheless, they'd have a hundred people show up to these town hall dances. Most showed up to socialize, heckle, and mock the shags. Attendees often cited the shags as being painful and torturous, but others were begrudgingly gracious. The dances would become a family affair. Annie would take tickets and work the concession stand, Younger sister Rachel would sometimes play bass, Austin III would play maracas, and Robert would do a drum solo at intermission. The rumor around town was that Austin forced his girls to play in the band and that he was inappropriately intimate with them. Years later, Betty would say it wasn't true, but Helen claimed Austin had been inappropriate with her. Austin's father and Annie's mother were both widowers and became romantically involved, living in a small house on the Wiggins' property. The rumors and criticism would only fuel Austin's desire to push the band and prove to everyone that the Wigan family were fulfilling their destiny. After hearing the Beatles, Austin wanted the Shags to take the next step by recording an album. He took them to Fleetwood Studios in Revere, Massachusetts on March 9, 1969, where he nearly or completely spent their life savings on recording sessions. After hearing the band in the studio, the engineers suggested that they weren't ready for a recording. However, Austin was determined and was heard saying that he wanted to get them on tape while they were still hot. 
If you can believe it, they recorded their album in one day. The producer was none other than Austin. Austin struck a deal with a local fly-by-night record company called Third World Recordings. They pressed 1,000 copies of the Shag's album, Philosophy of the World. Mysteriously, 900 copies vanished from the warehouse, and soon after, the Third World's president disappears and the label folds. The Shags have expressed dismay with the final product. The band continued to practice for hundreds of hours and played the town hall, the nursing home, or a fair here and there. By 1973, the town officials shut down the weekly show. Some stories of fights or drugs were murmured, and others perhaps were just worn out with the shags. They really weren't, in our estimation, a very good band, but they were at least something to do on a Saturday night, says Fremont's town historian Matthew Thomas, who heard them several times as a teen. With the exception of a couple of their songs, it's pretty tough for me to listen to them. And I know that's how kids felt at the time. Had you ever been to a concert or... Not growing up. My father wouldn't allow it. No. Were your parents musical? No. My father played... Played juice harp. Right. Often or just sometimes or... When the mood struck him, I guess? Yeah, he didn't do it a lot. So this is the uh, Fremont Historical Museum. So one of Fremont's claims to fame is that it was the first place where a B-52 bomber crashed, but no one was hurt. That's right. This is Matthew Thomas. He used to be the Wiggins' neighbour. Now he's the town historian. So B-52 bombers had crashed elsewhere, but people had died. That's right. Whereas whereas in Fremont, no one had died. That's right. That's what made uh, Fremont pretty unique with that episode. And you've had UFO sightings? Uh, yes, we've had some UFO sightings here in Fremont, uh, primarily around September of 1965, down by the power lines on Route 107. Yeah, it was quite an exciting time for Fremont at the time. The Shags were burnt out too. They were getting older and starting to rebel more against their father. Helen secretly married her first boyfriend, a boy she met from the dances, but lived at home for three months until she got the courage to tell her father. When Austin found out, he grabbed a shotgun and went after the husband. A cop arrived at the scene and told Helen to choose between the husband or the father. She left with her husband. She was 28. In 1975, Austin died of a massive heart attack, apparently after hearing the best performance of Philosophy of the World that he had ever heard, one of the songs that he was known for never being satisfied with. The band shut down that day. They all moved on, got married, and had kids. I just walked out and said, I'm done. We knew he went there to say, okay, you're going to do it. And we figured when we ended it and we went on with our own lives, that that was the end of it. it was- By the mid-70s, word of mouth and copies of the album began to spread. Local Boston radio station WBCN started playing tracks from the album in hopes to get them some late recognition. In 1978, the band NRBQ listened in, sought out a copy, and had the album re-released in 1980 on Red Rooster Records. About 20 years after Austin died, something really unexpected happened with the Shags, and it all happened because of a man called Terry Adams, and I am outside his house right now in Salem, Massachusetts. Terry is the singer in the band NRBQ. Our saxophonist got in the car one day with a cassette and um, had a long ride, so 
had plenty of time to listen and heard it. And Which one was it? Philosophy of the World. I didn't want anything to do with it when Terry first got in touch with you. Mm -hmm. uh, you do what you want, but I, I don't want nothing to do with it. Did you know where the master tapes were? Yeah, we had them at the time, and then I turned them all over to Terry Adams so he could do the recordings. And, and were you wondering why? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of wondering. Obviously, they're hearing something we're not. It's a different rhythmic approach which sort of acknowledges what's going on but also ignores it at the same time. The melody is the most important part of the shags, I think. If you notice, there's no harmony, always unison singing, and the lead guitar playing exactly what the singing is playing. So you have three things, two voices and one guitar playing the melody at all times. And is that unusual? Yeah. Terry re-released Philosophy of the World. Straight away, Kurt Cobain called it one of his favourite ever albums. Bonnie Raitt said they sounded like castaways on their own musical desert island. The jazz composer Carla Bley said they brought her mind to a complete halt. Rolling Stone called it the comeback of the year. The shags were a hit. Do you think it was worth it, or do you think that kind of pain and spoilt childhood... You know, even if it was worth it for you and me because we get to listen to it now, only they would know whether it was worth it or not. Mm. If you love people, you love real music. So, mm. you know, they have all these categories of world music and all that. It's just people. People make sound, and if they're good people, then you should like it. I don't know why it has to live up to somebody else's idea to be considered to be beautiful. Dr. Demento, a comedic DJ who is known for weird novelty songs and strange or unusual recordings, started playing the album, especially the song It's Halloween, on Halloween. This was all after Frank Zappa originally came on the show and played some tracks from Philosophy of the World. He also praised the band. The reissue was reviewed twice in Rolling Stone, introducing the world to the shags, saying they sounded like a lobotomized version of the Von Trapp family singers. Lester Bangs, infamous music critic, wrote a review in 1981 for the Village Voice called The Shags, Better Than the Beatles, and DNA Too. People were hearing something inside this strange and unique music, however baffling it was. Kurt Cobain has said that it's his fifth favorite album of all time. People heard a naive innocence in their music. It was kind of charming to hear music written from the perspective of honest teenage girls who were not trained musicians in the traditional sense. They didn't live a rock and roll lifestyle. While the music could be objectively described as, well, being bad, it has a unique and mesmerizing quality to it. Some would argue that if they had been a better band, they wouldn't have been as memorable, that their form of outsider art is what gains them more and more fans. Most underground bands would beg to have such a sound uniquely their own. When Philosophy of the World was reissued in 1999, the New York Times said it may be the best worst rock album ever made. Deborah Ray Cohen, writing in Rolling Stone, called it the sickest, most stunningly awful, wonderful record I've heard in ages. The perfect mental purgative for doldrums of any kind. An Amazon.com reviewer was less charitable. 
If the smell of an old lady living in a station wagon with 20 cats had a sound, it would be this album. Susan Orlean, the author of the book The Orchid Thief, which inspired Charlie Kaufman to write the film adaptation, wrote a wonderful piece for The New Yorker called Meet the Shags. I highly recommend it. What the best of outsiders have that 100,000 garage bands don't have is a distinct identity, says Erwin Chuzid, who co-produced the RCA Victor reissue in 1999 and wrote Songs in the Key of Z, the Curious Universe of Outsider Music. I'm not saying it will be in beat or in tune. I'm not saying most people would take it seriously. But when you hear the shags, you know it's the shags. That's an achievement. The band had gotten better comparatively over the years, even releasing a more polished-sounding compilation of songs after the reissue of Philosophy of the World. This compilation was called Shag's Own Thing, released in 1982. Fans wrote this release off since they didn't sound as unpolished as they used to. Outsider art is by self-taught or naive art makers, typically those labeled as outsider artists that have little or no contact with the mainstream art world or art institutions. In many cases, their work is discovered only after their deaths. Often, outsider art illustrates extreme mental states, unconventional ideas, or elaborate fantasy worlds. Jeff Suick wrote for Medium.com, I may be physically assaulted for saying this, but lyrically, philosophy of the world reminds me of early Pink Floyd. Songs like Floyd's See Emily Play seem absurdly simple, but throw in some psychedelic weirdness, and there's just this feeling that the simplicity conceals the answers to all the mysteries of the universe. Thinking about Sid Barrett really helped put it in perspective for me. Learning more about outsider art, I would be reminded of some outsider artists that I was more familiar with, like Daniel Johnston. True love will find you in the end. Or Wesley Willis. McDonald's will make you fat. They serve Big Macs. They serve quarter pounders. They will put pounds on you. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and... The Shags have accumulated quite the reputation and have a legacy that will immortalize them. Were they one of the first punk bands? They've gone on to inspire many artists of all kinds. And in November of 2003, a stage musical based on Philosophy of the World opened in Los Angeles. The girls are going to play in a band. You're in a band? Like a rock band? This is The Shags. That's good. That sounded like something. You girls were beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous.
I've heard some rumors about a Shags movie. They've also been mentioned in pop culture, such as The Gilmore Girls, and in the 2012 film The Perks of Being a Wallflower. In 2013, Dot released her solo album, Ready, Get, Go, on Alternative Tentacles Records. The Dot Wigan Band opened for Neutral Milk Hotel on tour in the spring of 2015, in what was Dot's first ever tour. In 2017, the surviving Wigan sisters, because Helen died in 2006, performed at the Solid Sound Festival, which was curated by big-time band Wilco. Not many bands from 1968 are still playing live, but the Shags are. After all those years, Grandma Wigan's prophecy had come true. While the Shags may not be considered great, they sure have gained an underground cult following and made some of the most honest music that came from such a bizarre and abusive backstory. Grandma did predict that they'd be popular. Next, we're going to talk about these strange songs and try to find some kind of understanding in the philosophy of the world. So, guys, what is your familiarity <laughs> with the Shags? And how did you listen to it? I'll uh, I'll kick it off here and say that I was aware of them. I, I don't actually remember the first time I heard of them. It might have been the Solid Sound Festival thing um, when that was announced as a that they were reuniting or whatever for that. I, I might have, they might've come on my radar then, but that was about it. I'd never actually really listened to it beyond maybe one listen at that time being like, what the hell is this? Um, but I listened to it on Spotify this time for the most part. I was aware of the shags. Um, I don't remember exactly what listicle uh, I was reading, but I was I was reading some collection of you know artifact music, or it might have been you know hey a bunch of bad album, notoriously bad albums, or just um, you know influences on artists that that I I like. But uh, I, I heard of the Shags probably about four or five years ago, and um, I remember putting on the record uh, i was working uh for the manufacturing firm at the time and i was just sitting in my in my cubicle and i put the the record on and listened through most of it and you know was ha- kind of had a huh reaction <laughs> um and hadn't really returned to it since then but uh when when we picked this up um i listened to it several times through uh Almost always uh, on headphones, either driving around or uh, working at the house off of YouTube Music Premium. I somehow had never even heard of them, <laughs> even though I am a bit of a music nerd. I, I know especially about bad music, particularly. <laughs> somehow this had gone under my radar, and I, I didn't know they existed until Logan told me about this record. So... I heard it for the first time uh, a week or two ago. Uh, it's actually on Apple Music. As much as I would like to own one of the 100 surviving vinyl discs, <laughs> um, I had had to listen on streaming. Which, I would I would like to find out where the other 900 went. I know. And I'd like to track I, one I want to point out, by the way, that people on Discogs are liars. Because if you go to the original pressing of this, it says that 73 people own it. I'm like that is not true. <laughs> Seventy three. Well, yeah. I guess if they were gonna, if anyone was gonna own it, it would probably be some crazy record yeah. collector that might log yeah, it. Yeah, for but. sure. You have to be a collector to have. Yeah, 
What about you, Logan? Well, I think I was trying to think the first time that I heard about the Shags, and I think it might have been in like maybe a 1999 guitar magazine. I'm thinking that was talking about the Shags or something. And I just remember seeing the album cover. That was the first thing that I saw. And it was just very striking. It was very 60s, but also very wholesome and just kind of captivating. I just, I I really love the album cover. I think that right off the bat, that's just something that I, I find endearing and just the style choices. And Can you describe it a little bit? Well, it's the three sisters, Dot, Helen, and Betty, standing there on what I'm assuming is maybe the Fremont Hall, City Hall, like uh, stage or whatever, wherever they played, you know, weekly. Um, but they're just they're just set up with their drums and both of their guitars, and they're standing there like a typical kind of 60s album cover. Just, you know, they're wearing skirts and heels, and, and just their hair is very much shaggy and just long. Their hair is striking. It's very striking. Um, You can tell just off, it's not what the an album cover that you're, you would used to be seeing it's just very there's just something about it that's very taking and you know you're just it's like when you're at the flea market and you find like an old obscure gospel some weird group yeah or some people who who aren't normally photogenic are like smiling on the cover yeah these are not just something about it you're not these are not your typical people that are on the the front of album covers so it's just very captivating just right when you see it at least that's what i thought I, I like yes. how the the philosophy of the world font is the same as like uh, Tupac would have Thug Life tattooed across <laughs> his stomach. It's, I, w- yeah. I was going to say the yeah. name the Shags. I think the first time I heard it, I was like, "Is this a, a '60s garage rock band?" I did because it sounds like one of those bands that would be on like the Nuggets compilation. It's really the like, perfect name. It's a yeah. perfect name. Yeah. You know, it, it's it just sounds very... super indie. Yeah. I do want to say that uh, Helen on the cover is, well, they've all got their instruments, and Helen's on her little drum kit, which seems to be comprised of a snare, floor tom, and hi-hat, and nothing else. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, no no kick here. <laughs> and I guess that would go along with what it sounds like, too. <laughs> There's some but ride I, on there. Yeah. I don't have this uh, on... Yeah, you're right. I don't have this on vinyl or anything, but after this whole ordeal, I think I might have to order it. Ordeal. Um, <laughs> you know. It, it's it's, it's kind just, of an ordeal. <laughs> it's just been a, a whole thing. Um, but I mainly listen to YouTube music through earbuds and just on my way to work. And, you know, I have a little bit of a commute, so I had some time to listen to it. Did you guys also have the experience of uh, not wanting anyone to hear that you were listening to it? Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm going to listen to it in public or anything. Uh, but yeah, it, I had to kind of seal myself off in my office and play it through studio monitors. A weird experience, but I, it would have driven. My wife heard about 10 seconds and, and that was plenty for her. Yeah. So I didn't want to expose her anymore. I expose myself to it more than I feel like is uh, ethical. Yeah. No, nor- normally I hear like from from Beth like oh, I'm so tired of at the driving. You know, you play at the driving <laughs> yeah, all the time, yeah. or I'm so tired yeah. or whatever. It's like this one though. I don't think she heard a second of it. I was like, I can't do that. It's to probably for the better. 
<laughs> no, I made I made my wife. I was like, you have to hear what this sounds like, and she just had kind of like a "What exactly am I hearing?" look on her face. <laughs> she had almost no reaction. Like, yeah, it's I'd, weird. I'd She'd say that's a pretty it. understandable reaction. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the I, and I don't know if we want to get into the uh, into the music into the tracks, but it's definitely. Yes disorienting i think would be a word yeah. that i would use to describe it but um I, i'll just say right at, right up top i mean obviously this album sounds the way that it sounds and you know the parts are played the way that they're played but i i i feel like i got you know quite a bit out of this this experience and i'm i'm really glad that we that we decided to do this cuz it's kind of you know put me on a an outsider music you know kick i was yeah, uh, spinning up some Daniel Johnson or Johnston, excuse me. I, by the way, I think uh, earlier, Daniel Johnston has more merit than than this. By the way, yeah. I feel well, bad I would agree, getting him lumped in because I feel like he he writes us. He's a really good songwriter. Yeah, he actually has a, like, like lyrics. on a technical level. <laughs> I, I well, mean, I've they got have good things to say about lyrics. these lyrics. I, <laughs> okay, okay, we, have, let's get in, let's get into too. the songs. We don't, yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and, and nice point, Matt. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the songs. We're going to start with track number one, Philosophy of the World, the titular track. Mm-hmm. Oh, the rich people want what the poor people's got. And the poor people want what the rich people's got. And the skinny people want what the fat people's got. And the fat people want what the skinny people's got. I always want them to just like keep going like one more, two more times with the in this world. It seems like that would have been a good chorus to like keep repeating, Um, (laughs) you know, but man, I don't even know where to start with this song. It's it's nice that they're kind of taking an approach that isn't necessarily preaching something but it's just saying that nobody's going to be happy in this world no matter what (laughs) no matter what opinion you have there's going to be someone with the opposite opinion and i think that's uh maybe what they were trying to say with the philosophy of the world i think that's a really interesting you know look i had to listen to this and it's not something musically that I would get really excited about. So I kind of had to dig into the vocals and to the lyrics. So I think that's what I got from the song. What, what about you guys? By the way, I want to say you didn't have to listen. <laughs> you didn't oh, make I a did. choice to listen. To I made the choice to listen. <laughs> right. right. Whereas the rest of us it. are all victims. This was you told Logan's us. Decision. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, all going to have to listen to it. I know. I actually like that you brought up the in this world thing because the first thing I thought of was that it almost sounded like a a Rivers Cuomo melody to me. Like as much as there is a semblance of a melody there, that little like in this world kind of reminded me of like a I don't know, like a, a Rivers Cuomo demo of a a melody or something. Of course, I think he would expand on that 
maybe a little more. Um, yeah. Am I the only one that heard that? Did you hear that at all, Logan? Uh, no, like it, it sounded like it. It was longing for a chorus, like it could be repeated a few times, and I could have seen them taking off with that. And that definitely sounded kind of like a River Cuomo kind of deal. I, can I, see I do find it interesting that the, the, the you said in the video or in the uh, video in the uh, intro thing that the dad <laughs> was never happy with this one because like this is the one that sounds fairly. As complete Polished. as any of the as <laughs> as complete as any of the ones on this album set, like it's actually right. got guitars that are in tune. Uh, it sounds like they're trying to play the same. <laughs> I have song. a theory on that. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I'd like to point out this does have the highest play count of all the album on Spotify. So that's probably people start with this and then they stop. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Title track. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I do have a question. Um, as a uh, uh, as a self professed fat person, what do I have that the skinny people yeah, want? Right. And I, I was wondering. I was wondering about that. As a tall person, I want to know what the short people have that I don't have. So what do the know. poor have? How do the that other half do, live? Do the rich really want what the poor have? There's some holes in their theories here, but I appreciate yeah, yeah. what they're what they're saying. You know that this is coming from teenage girls that have no concept of music we're just told to like hey you're going to be writing music because of grandma's prophecy so (laughs) so get to it (laughs) yeah um did you say how old um they were at the time of this recording no it was kind of a i i couldn't find any information on how old they were when they started yeah that may be lost to i'm I was going to say lost of time. I'm sure somebody could do the math, but they were teenagers. Yeah. Maybe high high school age. I'm not sure. Yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy to like, you know, you live all these years and all of a sudden in like your middle school or early high school years, your dad tells you, oh, by the way, grandma had a prophecy that you're going to have <laughs> to be in this like popular rock group that's going to, you know. I mean, <laughs> like, what is that? Apparently, they were they were fairly isolated and didn't have a whole lot of contact with. I want to know what, what is in the water in that area because isn't Gigi Allen from like fucking New Hampshire? <laughs> oh or God, I hope. Well, I hope like, not. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. I'm gonna look it up, but I. I'm There's pretty a, sure he's from around there, the New England area. You can draw a, th- a through. Yeah, line he's from, from Lancaster, New Hampshire. Weird. What the hell's going on in New Hampshire? He was born in '56, so he would have. Well, he's probably younger. But. I think people are very, very bored there, honestly. <laughs> uh, That's got to be part of Blake, it. Blake, do you have any thoughts on, on philosophy yeah, uh, of the world, the song? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a weird philosophy, uh, as, as, I, as we were talking about, but I think it's come, because it comes from naive uh, teenagers who still have much to learn about the world. Um, they, I noticed that when it kicks in, they stay together. For a couple beats, and then they converge and go off into their own songs. And this pretty much happens on every track. <laughs> um, since we're talking about, yeah, since it's the first song here, I might as well just mention Helen, the drummer, is pretty much doing her own thing. <laughs> Shag's own thing. <laughs> doing her own Actually, thing. Actually, speaking Drummer's of that, this is a good point to bring thing. this up. I, I had this question. Do you Did they record this all live? Like, do yes. you think they yeah. did the vocals and everything at the same time? I'm sure they probably sat- did. I don't okay. know how I think else they, they would have done it. Well, I didn't know if in they that interview. I think they, later. yeah, it, it seems like it, especially when it was done so quickly in one one session, one day, and you know, time is, time, yeah, time is money. Um, I can see them doing it all in in one go. 
but um, it's it sounds like bandmates who can't hear each other, <laughs> and so at least the drum maybe the drummer can't hear the other players. So she's just she's doing a completely different song. It's very bizarre. Um, the uh, however the <laughs> I want to point out the vocal doubling throughout. I don't know if it's Dot and Betty. Uh, doubling the main vocals yes. like that main melody together but the melody. doubling is like yeah it's like spot on like throughout almost every 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 vocal part well maybe they just doubled like, it could they have done that at that time could you have just taken yeah, but it's, and almost like, yeah, copied it yeah you can over? do an over no it's not like <laughs> no i know that, that would not, just make it not louder. drag would, and drop would... obviously but like could you copy the tape of the main vocal and just do it over the top all that would do is make it louder it's mathematics Okay. Uh, sorry, that was really <laughs> assholey of me they, to say. They rehearsed the shit out of this song. Yeah, it's just weird that they're not together in, in most aspects, but that right. doubling is like right on, <laughs> right the on. Yeah, and the the guitar melody doubling with the vocal melody is also kind of like spot on, but but nothing else is. Yeah, but weird stuff. You know, I could see them just driving down the street in a nice little sports car playing that song on the loudspeakers <laughs> and that would lead us into our next track track well, number wait, matt, two matt still wait, has dude. to share his thoughts oh on i'm philosophy sorry of the world all right I thought yeah uh <laughs> good segue this, though um yeah i was wasted i i think just like me <laughs> this song just like you know this, this is kind of an example of of the the ennui of the album and you know kind of the, the whole story you know i i think about uh, these daughters, you know, kind of being forced into this and, and going along just because, uh, of the, the force of will of their father. And it's, it's kind of like something, you know, it's a, it's a new creation because the, they didn't have any musical reference points to, um, to draw from, or at least certainly not, um, not what most people would have, but yet they're still swinging for the fences with the themes. And I, I really admire the, uh, uh, kind of the, the audacity of that. And, and there, there's one lyric in particular. I, I really like the lyrics on the bridge, uh, for this song. Uh, we, we mentioned the, um, you found uh, a bridge. There's a yeah. bridge on this. <laughs> there's a bridge on this yeah, song. I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. There will always be, uh, Someone who wants things the opposite way. That that was, you know, we, we mentioned that line earlier. But the one that stuck with me is, uh, we do our best, we try to please, but we're like the rest. We're never at ease. And you know, mm. it's a pretty simple uh, little um, couplet or set of couplets there. But but I, I think in its simplicity, it, it kind of enhances the the whole of the experience. You know, and and if you if you can listen past the 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 tempo issues and and uh and the uh the the sound and and kind of get to the feeling and uh and the experience you're you're almost kind of connecting with them through uh through this this uh audio uh, this auditory experience that you're having so i i really you know high marks for for theme and for uh for our da- for audacity um particularly on this tune and i do think it's it's one of the uh the the better sounding songs uh, on the record both you know in terms yeah. of playing and 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 um and rhythm well great wow. does anyone have anything else to say on philosophy of the world it's a nihilistic philosophy i think that that's a theme that 
they're both it sizing matter what the world. You do. It doesn't matter what you yeah, do. Everything sucks. Very nice That's people. a very teenager thing to think, though, you know? Right. I guess so, yeah. And hey, you know what else teenagers are interested in? Sports cars. cars. Oh, yeah. Track number two, that little sports car. Well, you know, I'm interested how they arrived at as slippery as an oyster to riding on a roller coaster. How they found... It's New Hampshire, baby. You know, I guess they're used to having oysters. But no, this this song is... Uh, it's interesting. Um, I think my part that I remember the most is... Where I turn around and headed for home, I learned my lesson never to mm. roam. I learned my lesson to never to roam, never to roam, never to roam. That part. Never roam. Oh, wow. I, yeah. you know, it's just a, that little sports car. It Was it something that they were just longing for? Talking about boys driving. Were there boys driving sports cars and Fremont, New Hampshire. Is this something the, that they're seeing? That they're, they might have been, but they all wanted motorcycles. They all wanted the motorcycles, <laughs> and you know, I, I I feel like it was important for these girls to have boys that would, would win races. I think that's something that's like. <laughs> well, I I think right. I think they were trying to to speak to the 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 hot thing at the time because you think of like the Beach Boys, Beach and, Boys, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of vibe and like le- leader of the pack. You know the Shanger Laws. Like I think they were trying to get that like same vibe, but more right. of a car wreck than a car song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Blake. Little Red Corvette. I think maybe as a direct descendant <laughs> of of this song. <laughs> I think this is the first appearance of the vocal echoes um, that <laughs> that keep occurring on the album. So she says, "My heart thumped," and then you hear the other one go, "My heart thumped." It's just it's a weird little almost echo too effect. early though. So it's like my heart, th- my heart thumped. Like they come in like really early on the echo. It's just a weird song about following some guy who's in a sports car. I don't know what they're in. Um, <laughs> their dad's station wagon. I'm sure it's a station wagon. Uh, it's got to be a station yeah. wagon. Third, yeah, um, seven kids. A... Seven kids. Oh god! Holy yeah. shit! I just realized nice. something, guys. I I'm All sorry. Right. I'm gonna get us off track for a second. But do you guys remember that video on YouTube that I'm sure I've subjected you to? Uh, it's summertime of the dad and the two kids singing the "It's Summertime." Uh, yeah, I, real- I think you had us watch that's, that. That's the modern day version of the Shags. Just look up uh, like oh. three beat slide or whatever. It's summertime. <laughs> it's like a dad and his two kids singing a They're... song about being summertime. I I feel like the socioeconomic circumstances are a little bit different <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> for, for for those folks, but. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of YouTube dads out there making their kids do things. So, you know, got to get in on that, Josh. <laughs> things stay the same. Are, are um, you slave driving your kids to make music for you, Josh? Yes, yes. The, the prophecy you, must be they, fulfilled. They got to be in a band. I'm t- <laughs> what a I'm crazy telling you. concept! Grandma prophesies this shit. <laughs> 
there's a guitar solo in this song. And yeah, what stuck out to me most, um, Logan said it, never to roam. So here's a, here's a big theme. I, I, I put these these themes in, in like bold in my notes. The themes of obedience to the parents mm. and staying at home and not roaming. Yes. They come up again and again. And it's knowing the backstory, it is, it's a bit disturbing, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. It's a it's a dark record. I th- yeah. that's one thing yeah. that I really took away from it was that it, it's you know th- there's there's some ideas uh, and some darkness here that that's you know right almost at the surface. Well, even speaking of this song, like I was saying, like you think of the Beach Boys car songs of this era or leader of the pack, they're still kind of upbeat uh, a little bit. You know, uh, this one though, it's like about a sports car, but it does not give you the atmosphere or vibe of riding in a sports car it's very dark and no kind of, yeah it has a moral at the end like a like a a grim's fairy tale that is made to scare children <laughs> it's it's the same same concept never roam never roam i i think everybody's hit on what i had down i i definitely also uh perked up at the uh the climbing of the Never to roam, never to roam. You know that that almost sounded kind of uh, like a choral line or something from from <laughs> from classical music. Uh, yeah. You know the way they way they put that together. I know that uh, that New Yorker article uh, compared some of their melodies to Ornette Coleman, and <laughs> I'm I, I don't know enough free jazz. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I don't That's know. That's my enough, excuse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> music theory to to speak authoritative uh, authoritatively on, on that but uh but that that uh melody definitely kind of perked my interest um and I, I like the solo too i think that is at least their attempt of kind of evoking the sense of you know racing around in a car through yeah. music just that that was kind um, of my favorite they say part. roller coaster yeah. it's like climbing a roller coaster's uh hill part and you know you're you're ascending a scale or whatever yeah, yeah. Can I point something out that's going to blow everyone's mind, I think? Nope. Oh, I guess okay. so. I I bet unless, I know what it unless is. Unless Matt ahead. already has this. I don't want to I don't want to step on your foot, Matt. Did you have anything else you want to add? Uh well, I have a note that says secret baseline question mark, but I <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, that's I, not I what I have. That's in. not my blowing mind thing, but okay. Is that Rachel? And, is that Rachel, Rachel Wigan? I, I she came in later, I thought. Not on this album. Well, I think she's on this album. They kind of do. Really? I wonder if they yeah, do like a Slater. Yeah, she showed up. They she, a Slater oh, Kenny. Slater Kenny. Yeah, it's yeah like two dude, guitars, they, one they guitar tuned. doing a like kind of a bass line almost. Her, there's, her tone, there's her tone knobs all the way down. Yeah, it, there's uh, a couple times the, on the album. The the thing that's gonna she's in drop D. The thing that's gonna blow your mind is every couplet in this song is an imperfect rhyme until the end. So it's road, drove, oyster, coaster, gas, fast, corner, goner, and then home roam. Isn't that weird? Like, that it almost weird. seems like they planned that. that out, that everyone is an imperfect rhyme. They rehearsed the shit out of these songs. But that, that sounds I mean, intentional, yeah. that you, that's yeah. road, drove, oyster, coaster. Like, that's the best I don't they know. could do. But that's pretty good. There, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty intelligent, like, not, lyrical not choice. You know, according yeah. to Genius dot com, uh, this did feature Rachel Wiggin on bass. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, she showed up on the day. There was like a couple of brothers there too, 
and in the re- rehearsal studio. So, yeah. So, are we all good to go on to our yes. next song? So, we ask ourselves, with the Wigan family, what's going on with these parents? Who are parents? Who are these parents? Maybe track three can tell us. And who are parents? Uh, well, you know, who are parents? It's an interesting question that they're posing. I get that. And especially what we know about Austin Wigan Jr. I think, uh, who prompted, did they write this song on their own accord? Is this something (laughs) that they're trying to like? Is this like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing? Like, hey, parents I are really okay. Literally have Stockholm syndrome in my notes. Parents, I, I have. Did a parent write this? Parents are <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like they're like we have. They've got to know they have messed up parents, but they're trying to like justify it to themselves. Like, hey, no, parents do care. They really do have our best interests in mind. But at the same time, with knowing the backstory, the listener is like kind of skeptical <laughs> at least mm. i am i don't know about you guys but uh i think this is a very interesting song i think it says a lot to maybe what they were thinking about i kind of find i don't know their intentions just are like because they can't be stoked upon like everything that their parents are trying to get them to do at least austin you know, be in this band, write these songs. This is grandma's prophecy. You got to live up to this thing. Like, how do you even live up to that? Yeah, th- this is another, you know, really kind of song that, that has a lot of darkness just below the surface. Uh, and just to kind of return to the the chorus, uh, it's, it's four lines. Um, and, and, and I think this is another one of their, one of their better melodies, but uh, it's who are parents Parents are mm-hmm. the ones who really care. Who are parents? Parents are the one who are always there. there. And <laughs> I just think about that, uh, you know, that that omnipresent um, presence of of their their father in their life, you know, kind of directing them to to do this. That uh, you know, it, it just really kind of gives these the these songs the the sense of darkness that that I keep coming back to um I really like the melody as I mentioned um it's another one of those kind of almost sounds like a hymn I I've got uh got a a recording we're going to save it for a next one but this is this is a, a an initial look at their their almost kind of uh you know church hymnal melody that that I hear throughout um, they do a lot of resolving to the to the nine on this. The always there, uh, taking up that that second step. Uh, that that's a, a motif that returns throughout. Is that uh, a gospel that, thing or a uh, thing? Not necessarily. Um, but but it's it's another uh, you know, just kind of thing that they do throughout the album, just like the uh the vocal echoes. Mm-hmm. 
and this song, um, much like a lot of the songs, uh, almost kind of moves in in movements. There's not, you know, th- because there's not that consistent, you know, beat throughout. They'll play a verse and a you know and a chorus, or you know they'll they'll play a section and then kind of take a breath and then pick it up again, and, and it's and it gives it another you know kind of classical feel by way of of you know just uh amateur players or 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 players who uh who who lack classical training man you're you're getting a lot more out of this than i am (laughs) (laughs) i i have some thoughts but i don't think anything uh as as uh as i don't know insightful as that the line that really struck out to stuck out to me as being kind of creepy was the some think their parents are cool because they want them to obey certain rules there's just something vague and ominous about certain rules yeah (laughs) what rules obey certain (laughs) rules we don't know what the specific rules are just certain rules i i put this note here but this could be applied to pretty much anything on the album which is true of some of my a lot of my notes but uh the chord transitions i think are one of the giveaways on like the lack of of uh, musicianship which i realize uh, if if you're if you're someone who has even a passing uh, knowledge of of playing an instrument, you playing guitar specifically, you you know this. But I think how long there's sort of this like lack of fluidity when they change chords in the songs that you can tell that there's some like you know look down see what the chord shape is change the chord a little bit like it's not mm. it's not a very fluid changeover in between chords um as if they aren't whoever is i guess they're both playing guitar uh is not necessarily familiar with like what each chord shape necessarily is uh and it pretty much all sounds like open chords so that's a little harder than like you know punk music there's a reason punk music later when it takes off relies a lot on just like bar chords or power chords. <laughs> I guess power chords is the the term, right, Matt? Uh, yes. Because you're just playing the two notes. You don't have to really worry about, you know, pressing down a lot of the strings. But th- these songs, a lot of them sound like open chords where they're going to have to use, you know, all four of their fingers to, uh, to figure that out. So it's a little rougher transitions in between chords. But I don't know. That's, that's all I really had for this. Uh, yeah, this song is like the the thesis statement song for the main theme of obedience uh, and fealty to parents, <laughs> uh, and one one uh, uh, domineering parent in particular, I'm sure. So um, obviously, you can draw comparisons to to Heim, uh, three three shaggy haired sisters. Um, Heim's father also um, had a prophecy. Uh, incur- he had a, he had he was a prophet. He encouraged his daughters uh, to to play music. Um, however, they they took to it in a natural way. Whereas I think with the Shags, it was it was more forced. And uh, Heim seemed to have a lot of fun doing it um, and continued doing it on their own. And, and Shags was 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 the opposite. Anyway, uh, all that to say. We talked about how Women in Music Part Three had a thesis statement about uh, the um, the themes of, of misogyny. I believe it was Man from the Magazine. This is the thesis statement of the album. That's it's almost like screaming underneath the subtext is "Help us, we are prisoners. <laughs> we don't we don't want to be playing this. Why isn't anyone stopping us?" <laughs> Uh, that, all that being said, um, this is the only song I think with like an earworm of a, of a 
chorus melody and matt matt mentioned it so like the who are parents parents are the ones who really care who are parents parents are the ones who always there like that'll be in my head unfortunately for a while i i can't say that of any other song on here so it's the earworm nice well you know i think there's a interesting track that's coming up next about a lost cat a two-footed cat named foot foot <laughs> track number four my pal foot foot my pal's name is Footfoot, Foot, he always likes to roam. My pal's name is Footfoot, Foot, Foot, I never find him home. I go to his house, knock at his door. People come out and say, Footfoot, Foot, don't live here no more. My pal Footfoot, Foot, Foot, always likes to roam. My pal All right, so my question is, if you have a cat, why are you going to this cat's house <laughs> to, like, yeah. figure out where I'm he is? Shocked. The cat has two feet. I was unaware of this. Yes, the he cat has had only two feet. He only has Were two, they two, hence the two back feet. Hence the name. <laughs> yeah, he only or, has two back feet. So he's like a rabbit. Yeah, there's like a shirt. There's <laughs> a shirt shit. that shows like a two-footed. It looks like more of like a, a, a like a tiger fish or something than a cat I, but there's cat a t-shirt not gonna have shags. a good life i know why put that cat down there are no there are two-legged <laughs> dogs I've, I've seen like they've obviously seen foot foot around the neighborhood but they're just like intermittently trying to like find foot foot i don't feel like they're really putting up that great of an effort to find foot foot i feel sorry for foot foot i really what do what kind of quality of life is that I mean, what? I just, how do you lose a cat like that? If you have a two-footed cat, you don't just let it out and run around. Like, it's not going to run around very well. Like, you, you, you keep that cat safe because it's sacred. If you've got a cat named Foot Foot, it's <laughs> sacred. Shit. God, come on. Who named it Foot Foot? That seems Who names cool, it Foot Foot and just, like, it's... lets it go? Like, take care of Foot Foot for Christ's sakes, please. Um, wow. My thoughts on that. Animals are shockingly uh, adaptive. Look up videos of two-legged dog. Just type in two-legged dog, two-legged cat. They they will find a way. Uh, life finds a way. And uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I realize life, modern uh, modern technology. You know, you can have prosthesis and stuff for for dogs and cat. By the way, but, I don't. I shouldn't speak with authority on this. I, I have, not I've, in 1968 <laughs> or yeah, nine. In 19, no. so you got a two legged like, cat they that got, pops around. It's probably don't trying give to a sh- find a. They don't give a shit about a die. cat back then. They're just like old. True. You know, cats just run around wild and. Uh, <laughs> Logan, did you have other right. thoughts on foot? That, no, that's why I they don't. couldn't find it. He was right. out wild. I, I, no, uh, it's a I long drum solo. It's a long drum <laughs> intro. Is, the intro to me sounds long. like a live recording of Guitar Center. It's just really. <laughs> oh my god, it does. It's rough. It's just, one guy's kind of hitting the drums. One guy's kind of strumming a guitar. Like I just, no I just want direction. I just want foot foot to be found. That's all I want. That's all I want out uh, of this story, and I don't get that. 
By the way, uh, I, I do want to point out, I, I, I did uh, think the snare on this actually doesn't have a bad tone. <laughs> like, that <laughs> snare kind of sounds tuned oh, up. Like, sounds uh, pretty good. I don't know who recorded this snare, but it didn't sound too I, bad. I sampled it. I, I kept it as a sample. Did for you my really? Personal sam- yeah, I, I have a whole folder of samples wow. that I keep. It's just a I, clean I snare one. sound, I thought. It was just pretty good. Yeah. Um, Although I, I do have to point out, and I, I put this a, as a note on another song, but the snare sometimes on this album does come at random intervals. Like instead of being oh, yeah. on the beat, you know, where it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, it just is like sometimes it'll happen on the four. Sometimes it'll like it just randomly comes when it wants to. Um, and some songs it's just all cymbal and kick. There's no snare. It's just cymbal mm-hmm. and kick. Uh, by the way, I do want to have people, uh, if, if you want to YouTube something else, uh, look up the Solid Sound Festival reunion when they played this song. And it's kind of impressive, yeah. the musicians that learned to play this song. I have song. thought, yeah. It, that was bizarre. I, I could talk at length. Well, on go that for it. You're, you're next. So go ahead, Blake. If you have thoughts well, on that. Yeah, you're, I, I did watch that. Uh, that's the thing that Wilco puts on mm-hmm. Solid Sound. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so they got young, young musicians to back them up. I guess the the surviving sisters Dot and Betty were just singing, not playing, and they had uh, these young people. Everybody had like sheet music and a music stand in front of them, <laughs> so that they could meticulously play the song wrong or or right, depending on <laughs> which way you look at it. But I, I figured, okay, maybe they maybe they've gotten better over the years and updated the songs to sound more like actual pop rock songs. I like to think actually have Betty Wiggins, like Brian Wilson in the studio for smile. He's like yelling at him about, he's like, you're playing it wrong, you know? (laughs) Right. Maybe, but like they're meticulously playing it like they, like they don't know how to play and like they're all playing a different meter. It is wild. It's, it's back to Zappa. It's, it's a, it's one of those (laughs) weird Zappa experiments uh, type of thing. But, my pal Foot Foot, uh, I thought this would be like the most uh, played one because everybody seems to talk about this one. But I, I don't know what's so great about it other than the <laughs> – this is the song where Helen the Drummer is <laughs> wildin'. Wildin'. Uh, much like Foot Foot was wildin', she is wildin' on the drums, clearly. Uh, I don't – they were kind of maybe trying to do their version of a rock and roll intro with like – drum solo then add the guitar on top of that it's like saucer full of secrets or some shit (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah it's free jazz this is where okay i start to notice that the guitars are more out of tune and i'll well no i'll talk about my theory later but uh the guitars i'm i'm noticing that they are are more out of tune it it also ends with a drum solo so this is this is really Helen's song. Do but, they have tuners in the studio? You think? Uh, uh, well, that's part of my theory. By the way, I want to <laughs> mention. I, I imagine that so, the reason they got booked for Solid Sound, Jeff Tweedy, the lead singer of Wilco, he worked at Euclid Records in St. Louis for like a a long time. And I wonder if maybe like this was one of those that got thrown on in the store. Like, you believe this album? <laughs> you know, back in the nineties. So maybe. I wonder if that's where yeah. they came on his radar. It's a record shop kind of record. Oh yeah, I don't really have anything else. Um, I did notice uh, that that drum outro. I I have in my notes. Whoa, the drum outro. So I I feel like that was probably the as you said, kind of the uh, the highlight of uh, of of Helen's drumming on on this record. Um, 
it does appear from the lyrics that that Foot Foot is indeed found by the end of the song, and uh, uh, he is implored uh, that uh, to promise me that you will never roam again or never again roam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so never uh, to roam, never to <laughs> <yeah>. roam. Never <laughs> Can I point roam. out, by the way, Matt, your personal connection to this song? I feel like. You have a personal connection? I think Matt has a personal connection. <laughs> Matt what? knew Foot Foot. Uh, you oh, are you talking foot about foot? my cat that would Toby? go out for, yeah. Matt, one of the first songs Matt ever wrote was about his six-toed cat, Toby. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Toby. Was he, drop it right was here, his name Blake. Called drop Toto? it. No, actually. Don't, don't have that. Do you have a recording <laughs> I, of this? I, I don't know where it would be. No, no. Th- this uh, When I was probably... 10 or 11 um i received a yamaha keyboard it's the same we've talked about this the same yamaha keyboard that logan had that ended up on on at least one fatherton record but um one of the first uh musical things that i did was uh compose a uh uh, kind of a proto uh, hip hop song about my six toe cat. <laughs> I forgot it was a rap. <laughs> Did you rap? Did oh. you? Oh my god! We gotta <laughs> hear this. <laughs> we gotta hear six-toed this. Six toed cat. We're putting. We're dropping. Whether it exists or not, we're dropping it at the end. <laughs> the, there oh, was man. there was lots of orchestra hit sound. You, <laughs> remember the orchestra oh, hit sound? Yeah. Oh, obviously, keyboard? it was a it was a preset on every keyboard. Yeah. It'll be a good companion piece yeah. to the sound. Uh, which brings us to our track number five, My Companion. My companion is with me when I drive my car, even when I go real far. No matter where I am or what I do, my companion is always there. Just keeps going. It just kills me. I don't know. You know, they talk about riding horses. They talk about walking pets. They talk about going to the beach and running in the sand. Does that actually, like, happen for them? Like, I don't... I have no feelings on this song. This is one of those songs that I'm just like, wow, this is... This is rough. This is rough, folks. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, are they talking about Jesus? Is that what's happening? Are they talking no. about God or Jesus? Like, is this their com- companion that they're talking about? Because that's kind of what I get from this. No, they give it away. They do? At the end. What do they say? They say my companion oh, is my radio. my radio. Yeah. Uh, well, so their companion is radio. I didn't. Logan tapped Austin, out before that. <laughs> I didn't think that Austin let them listen to music. Like I didn't. I thought they invented music. Not, Maybe it's a like, dream. It's their dream of what music sounded like. I, or not like they they wish they could have one. Oh, they wish. Well, they could I have also a radio. think there's a considerable amount of on this album of like let's do whatever the hot thing at the moment is. So maybe he was like write a song about how kids love radio. <laughs> Transistor radio at the time, oh and, and one of the one of the big uh, uh, improvements was that it, they were so small they were like handheld. You know, it'd be the the size of like a, a, a Walkman or something. Um, 
but it was just a radio, so, so it would make sense that it would be uh, something that you can keep with you uh, all the time. Right. This, we're, maybe they were maybe they were they were sh- wanting to shop this to the Philco Radio Corporation or something. But <laughs> all right, my companion is with me when I drive my car, even when I go real far. <laughs> no matter where I am or what I do, my companion is always there too. So that is very interesting. It's you know we're hearing their firsthand from the radio. Yeah, if well, if a if a millennial or a, or a zoomer wrote this song it maybe it'd be about an iphone you know what i'm saying or spotify it's always, kids love their phones always, it's, it's always with kids love phones no matter where you go there it is <laughs> um so uh i noticed that the tuning was bothering me even worse on this song so around this point i developed the theory and you maybe you'll tell me i'm completely wrong in a second but my theory is that they recorded this top to bottom in order in one go and did not stop to tune once again time is money Hmm. and so you hear them fall out of tune further and further throughout the album that's that's my take on it i could be wrong sounds right actually now that you say it that's no that that tracks yeah but that's all i got uh out of tune as it may be uh, i liked this chord progression i thought it was one of the more (laughs) interesting (laughs) ones on the record what chord progression are you talking about there's a chord progression (laughs) What? B minor seventh. B minor seventh. I didn't sit add down and nine, work it out, but add ten. <laughs> what? I didn't hear. What are you talking about? Play, play the clip again. It's a, it's clearly a one. It's a one four five. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play the clip okay. again. I. Well, I thought that it was an interesting chord progression. I'm looking up shags uh, tabs right now. <laughs> um. This uh, this is another one that that reminds me of almost like uh, the, the phrasing reminds me of of like a Gregorian chant, you know. Uh, it, it's more kind of asymmetrical <laughs> phrasing. Um, the uh, my companion is with me everywhere I go. Uh, just such kind of a weird phrase that's you know five or six beats or um, you know it's even hard hard to pin down. I didn't find a recording of a of a chant that that was fitting the bill for me. But uh, do you want to drop in that that doxology here? This this is the type of stuff that I remember having to hear when I went to church as a kid, and I wouldn't be huh. surprised if this was some of the only music uh, that the girls were kind of exposed to, and, and I I think that kind of informs some of their okay. some of their melodies. All right, I've I've not tested this, so here it goes. That's a, that's a David Lynch clip that Logan gave me. 
So I'm, I'm going to be dropping it at random times for, for Logan's instructions. Hey, by the way, can I point out, I Googled uh, Shag's tabs, and there's only four songs that have been tabbed. And the <laughs> one for uh, My Pal Foot Foot says, note, it was extremely difficult to transcribe the chords due to the competency limitations yeah, of the no, original no artist shit. and lack of chord strums. <laughs> Uh, okay. I, I, I see what you're getting at, Matt. The way the mel okay, so in a, in a church uh, doing hymns, everyone is doing, I mean, there's always that asshole in the back doing harmony, but it's um, all in unison, <laughs> right? Uh, and it, it goes up and the way the melody goes up and down does sound kind of similar to, to what the shags are doing. Yeah, they, way, they just kind of go it. up and down uh, that major uh, scale, really even staying within just the first five scale degrees um, and, and, and you see that, uh, in, in this, um, and in, in a lot of these songs, I, I think it just, it reminds me of church music. Yeah. And that, that, that's gotta be a big influence on them. Um, well, we'll, we'll find out later about that, but yeah. Yeah. I have nothing else to, to add to this one. I'll just add that I am, I'm so happy when you guys are near. <laughs> that was <laughs> I'm so happy when you're near, I'm so sad when you're away. I've been happy almost every day now that you're here to stay. But when you have to leave, then I've got to leave. Every week you have to go and... Oof. Ah, wow. Uh, well, you know, it's a interesting song. Uh... It's so hard to have to wait for you to ride into the gate, but when you get there, we have many news and feelings to share. I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Who they're talking to or who this is, what audience this is for. Um, I know it has to be. I know it can be changed. It can't be changed. But sometimes I think we are completely insane. You know, <laughs> if you're having to live in this house where you're forced to do grandma's prophecy music, like I think you're going <laughs> to be probably <laughs> feeling a little <laughs> upset about what you're having to spend most of your time doing. If you're writing songs and then your downtime from writing songs doing calisthenics. <laughs> Like what, what are you like? And if, if you don't play it up to like how your dad expects it to, you're going to have to play it again before bed. Like, do you imagine like having to play this, practicing this song all day and then having to play it again before bed after doing calisthenics? That's just crazy to me. Like, I don't know what this, I don't know who this song is for or who they're writing it for, but I just feel bad for him at this point. I just feel sorry for him. It's really sad, yeah. you know. And it, it is in a, in a big way. Yes, uh, it, it's it's a pretty big bummer. Uh, they kind of traverse more of the scale in this song, and they do it a little bit quicker. Um, that that was something that that kind of stuck with me. Um, I also uh, took note of the uh, sometimes I think we are completely insane line, and and lyrics like that in particular, when delivered in that you know kind of not monotone but that that doubled vocal that that is still so kind of emotionless and deadpan it's it's really haunting yeah yeah uh, i also put 
put down sometimes I think we are completely insane as the lyric to uh, note. By the way, uh, I, I don't know, Blake, if you noticed this, but it feels like there are some songs where the drummer just doesn't want to hit the snare at all, and then other songs where the snare is the only thing the drummer wants to hit. <laughs> like, there's no medium yeah. between the two where you just hit the snare enough. It's like either I'm not going to hit it at all or too much. This is a snare song. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, Foot Foot is a snare song. Um, oh, is it ever? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got nothing else to add though. Uh, I mean, I I wrote who who is it about this this mysterious person that makes them happy when they're near? And uh, speaking of snares, um, she does love that one drum fill. There's kind of mm-hmm. one fill that she continues to do in many songs. It's kind of like doom 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 doom, and <laughs> it's it's weird. you just hear that a lot. Other than that, I, I have nothing to say on this one. You mentioned that, Phil, Blake. It it almost feels like a paradiddle, you know. It's uh, or or some kind of yeah. kind of rudiment, yeah. That that, that she's which she's is something in. you do to practice, right. what, Yeah, when you're learning drums. So you know, as someone being forced to learn drums and still at the beginner level, she's just doing what she uh, what's in her drum book or whatever. Hey, we are about halfway through the album. Uh, Logan, would you like to read the rules of the New Hampshire Dance Hall? Oh, I definitely would. Let me pull them up. So, (laughs) if you were in attendance for one of these Dance Hall Shags concerts, this is the rules that you're likely handed out to, like, whenever you walked in. And, of course, they're by Mr. Wigan, so... Number one, once you have paid admission to get into the dance, you will not leave the hall until it is time to go home or you will have to pay the admission again. Oh, gosh. Never heard of a hand stamp? (laughs) Number two, no one is to go into the Beano room at all while the dance is going on. During intermission is when you can go into that room, and that is all. Okay. The Beano room? I don't know what the The Red room. Like, if you're going to be farting, don't go in that room. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Number three. There is not to be any running up and down the stairs constantly. (laughs) The only reasons for coming downstairs is to go to the basement have a cigarette, and for intermission. (laughs) Number four, only kids 16 up can smoke. No one under 16 will be allowed to smoke. That's a paddling. That's a paddling. (laughs) Number five, when upstairs, there will be no sitting on the piano or on the stage. Number six, also when upstairs, there will be no running around on the dance floor. Dance, but do not push anyone at all. No roughhousing. Number seven, when doing the poker, no one is to push or trip each other or the poker will be stopped. <laughs> Careful when doing that poker, kids. Mm-hmm. Number eight, no one is to go into the kitchen unless Miss... <laughs> Unless Mrs. Wigan is in there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And number nine, no one will go down into the cellar at all as it is part of the dance. So there's no reason to go down there for any reason at all. If anyone is caught down there, 
it would cause trouble. That's a paddling. <laughs> and lastly, number 10, if you will just go by these rules, there will be no trouble at all for the dancers, and you will all have a good time. Just in case anyone has any questions about these rules or don't agree with them, talk to Mr. Wigan. And I'm sure you will agree. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you will have he'll, he'll a convince good you. time. The, that is a Padlin. <laughs> wow. He he was a real authoritarian. I, I found some uh, uh, recording of, of him speaking to his daughters at a practice that is pretty rare. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Dro- yeah. Drop that. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you doing it again, you're fired. <laughs> and anyone on this group does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. They were they were wearing their, they had their guitar straps too low. He didn't like it. <laughs> So I was actually kind of wondering, you know, what would it, what would it sound like if we listened to the Shags a little bit differently than we're having to listen to them now? Like, what if we had to listen to the Shags backwards? What would that sound like? That'd be a little bit wacky. I think it'd go a little something like this. <laughs> Oh my god, a, a Cenobite just showed up in my office. Oh gosh. I, I think I heard something about Foot Foot. I was gonna or, say I, I hear no difference. What what if we had to listen to the shags slow down? Chopped and screwed. <laughs> Chill wave. <laughs> Fucking A, man. I like it. People or, are high. what if we had to listen to the Shags all at once? Is this every song? Every <laughs> song at the same this time. Right. Jazz plus Prepare jazz your- equals jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare your ear holes, folks. Oh, God. It's funny because I I feel like the snare is actually on time. <laughs> the songs with the no snare and the songs with the snare combine to form a song. I can actually <laughs> tell there was a snare in there occasionally. What the hell? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I'm glad oh, you talked about those things, uh, Logan. Those are some good things to wonder about. I wonder about them. Things <laughs> that I wonder. Track number seven. One thing I understand is why we have to be so blue. I understand why you feel the way you do, because I feel the same way too. I wonder why our minds drift astray. I wonder why life goes on this way. I wonder why we have to part. We both know 
it'll break our heart. Huh, things that are, I, I wonder. These are things that a teenage girl wonders, you know? <laughs> These are natural things to wonder. I can see where the the lyrics are coming from. It's not something that I necessarily, like, identify with. But, you know, I, I, I feel for him in this case. Yeah, I, I was I was wondering, speaking of wonder, uh, you know, there, there is a semblance of a melody here with the, there are many things I wonder, there are many <laughs> things I don't. Like, how come no one has done a a take on this where they tried to actually make it, like, songs, like a, a competent band recorded it? Like, but then I wonder, Surely would that, someone would that lose its charm? Like, is, is the entire, like, why, when they do the re, reuniting at the Solid Sound Festival, did they try to make it right. sound just as bad as it did back then? Do you think it's because the charm lies in that quote-unquote yeah. badness, was, or, yeah? I think so. It was still kind of painful to to listen to the live thing, though. Like, I wouldn't call it charming. Well, that's what <laughs> I'm the saying. the audience like, seemed to like do it. Do you think, like, if you tried to polish these these up and really like make them actual songs like would it somehow be worse like you're just like eh, i don't want to hear that like whereas yeah. the the ramshackleness of it is part of the appeal it'd just be kind of like be yeah. it'd be like meh anyway i don't know those are things i wonder blake what are some things you wonder here's what i wonder um if 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 their dad was such a perfectionist why didn't he have them tune their fucking guitars because <laughs> <laughs> Tuning um, is hard, man. <laughs> like, tune, <laughs> just tune. He was such a taskmaster. It's like that—that's a big thing that you, that you should do. Um, yeah, the the song was was pretty unremarkable, but it continues the themes of of being confused and naive, and that just, that comes with youth, but that runs throughout. You're talking about the themes. Uh, it's another one where they they kind of have a big swing for the fences theme and then juxtapose it with a very, you know, kind of traditional teenage uh, rock and roll song theme. Uh, the the little lyric, uh, the, the verse that, that caught me was the, I wonder about the stars above, I wonder about the birds that fly, uh, you know, kind of both very esoteric, uh, you know, deep things to be thinking about. And then back to the personal, I wonder about your love, but most of all, I wonder why you make me cry. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why we have to say goodbye. Uh, I, I think these are some of the better lyrics, um, on the record. And, and also, uh, you, you're correct. There is a melody here, um, you know, and, and a chord progression of sorts. Um, I, I think this is one of the stronger, uh, songs on the record um just you know i it really again speaks to that kind of ennui uh th that's that's uh present throughout the record guys i think matt might be smarter than us he's just he's thinking about it on a deeper <laughs> level man he's seeing uh, all kinds of depth here that uh well and and i'm i'm gonna speak to that in my my ranking but but i i I, I I think I would preview that to say that I this is one of those records that I think people take away what they want to take away from it or you know it's uh it, it's it's a very perception influenced record and and you know some people are will will throw it away and think that it's the worst thing that they've ever heard and then you know other other artists and, and musicians will will you know laud it so I I I, I it's a, a record of contradictions I think. That's a really sweet thing of you to say there, Matt. 
Um, I, I appreciate that. I think that'll bring us to our next track. So now we are on to number eight, Sweet Thing. You're such a sweet thing, sweet thing, sweet thing, but you can be so mean. You're such a sweet thing, sweet thing, sweet thing, you used to make me dream. But in the times when you are very different, I just don't understand. Oh, man. Oh, well, you know, uh, you ran around and think that I don't know. You must think you put on quite a show, but your turn's coming, coming, coming. There'll be some girl who will hurt you, hurt you, hurt you, the way you have hurt me. And then you'll be the one who is sad and blue, and then you'll see how you made me feel. I think these are very um, natural things for teenage girls to feel and write about. I'm just wondering exactly who they're writing about since they don't really have much look into the outside world or (laughs) outside community beyond their house or practicing or calisthenics. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, but you know, again, I feel bad for him. Uh, they say hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned, and this is certainly a a song from the perspective of of a young woman who is very scorned, and it's a breakup song. Uh, what their what their love lives were like in real life, I could not comment on. But this seems to be like the third song in a row that is possibly about romantic relationships, but it's hard to really say for sure. It stood out on this one that they're their vocals have been in tune with each other um, up until this point, but that this song, for some reason they're like falling out of tune with each other. And there's like a final note here where they're like, it's like, they're like hitting a, hitting a bad note. Like on the very end it, I wish I had the the cut, but it's, it's ne- probably lunch time. Never make me dream. Probably, yeah. They're yeah, probably like on trying dream to it, eat lunch or, or something at yeah. this point. They're getting, maybe they're getting exhausted. Their voice, their voices are tired and, they, uh, it's a big yikes from me, dog, on that last note. <laughs> uh, they're they're back to kind of their their binary uh, presentations of things. Um, you're such a sweet thing, but you can be so mean. Um, I think that this is a a neat little song. Uh, it definitely evokes those teenage emotions, and um, I think it works. Uh, this is the only uh, time where we get the doubled vocal echo. Uh, you think you'll fool me, fool me, fool me. Um, you know, other other parts of the record, they've just done, uh, done one of the echoes, but I, I think it really works here. Um, I have in my notes that this, for me, feels like them at their most Velvet Underground, um, which, of course, they, they wouldn't mm. be aware that, they're doing Velvet Underground uh, necessarily, but but that that was kind of the vibe that I got. You know, uh, um, uh, self titled or, or or White Light, White Heat. Um, excuse me, not self titled. Uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, and, and some of that that early love song, uh, Velvet Underground sound and and theme to me. This is a really really poignant song. Uh, you know, and the very last. Last verse, uh, they changed it up to, you were such a sweet thing, but now you're very mean. 
um, you know, and, and it just really kind of continues that 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 streak of sadness uh, throughout uh, the record. You guys think this one could be about their dad at all? Like the the mean and the <laughs> sweet thing? Like you know, like because definitely maybe sometimes. See, I mean, because of the relationship they seem to have with their father was like I don't know. It, it's I'm 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 purely basing this on the lyrics on this album. But if you think of like who are parents, if they're speaking from a genuine place then they're they're looking at their parents as people that are looking out for their best interests. So you would think maybe being sweet. But then from what we know, obviously that guy could be a monster. So uh I don't know. I wonder if there's a little bit of that in there. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. They could have still been doing the, the thing where they're just it's like It's like you'll you'll find some other girl or something. Yeah, that, I mean that that that, that that part doesn't work. I, I just was thinking about the mean <laughs> and sweet thing. Yeah. I, and as far as the the relationship stuff, I I still wonder how much of it was just their dad being like, "Hey, this is what songs are about." <laughs> so write some yeah. songs about yeah. these things: cars, radios, well, you know, boys, whatever. Parents, parents being great, <laughs> parents right. being great, not roaming from home. Maybe it was yeah. about their parents, or maybe it was about that monster, Josh, or maybe it was about Halloween. Talking about those monsters, maybe. Their dad was the monster. It's Halloween, it's Halloween, it's time for scares, it's time for squeeze. It's Halloween, it's Halloween. The ghost will spook, the spooks will scare. Why even Dracula will be there? It's time for games, it's time for fun, not for just one, but for everyone. Why even Dracula will be there? You know, I, I love, love it. I love it. His you know, he might even be there. I don't know. He might be there. <laughs> These yeah. new, the the new, new, Hampshire Hampshire accent. New, accent. new England accents, man. Yeah. You know, I tried to find what they were talking about, and they were talking about, you know, zombies and jack lanterns and goblins and, you know, even Dracula and, would be and there. Franken's, Frankensteins. And Frankensteins. That's my favorite part. They use you know, Frankenstein as a plural. No, I love I love this song. You know, there might be multiple Frankenstein's running around that we got to watch out for, you know, especially in Fremont, New Hampshire, especially around the town hall. You know, we might be scared. We might be trying to get out of there, trying to load out our equipment afterwards because we got to go home, you know, and probably practice again before we go (laughs) go to bed. So I I don't know. You know, I, I love this song. I think this is one of my highlights of the album is it's Halloween. I can totally just see it fitting in uh, to their set and I can see them playing it for a nursing home, you know, and getting a very polite <laughs> response. Disturbing. Just a polite response. <laughs> like, oh, you, y'all very lovely. Thank you very much for playing in our <laughs> nursing home. Here you go. Thank you very much. Here's some candy. Please leave. <laughs> Are you telling me there's nursing home gigs where we could be getting paid in candy right now? More of that could be making bank on the nursing home circuit right now, you know? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, um, this is a fun song, obviously. Uh, I love that that little guitar riff uh, that, that echoes the, it's Halloween, um, one of the uh, one of the few instances of kind of a, a fuzzier uh, guitar tone on the record. Mm-hmm. Um I love the list of all the different things that are be that are going to be there. We've talked about a lot of them. Um, in addition to uh, goblins, vampires, devils, Frankenstein's, and zombies, there will also be 
tramps, Cinderellas, pirates, angels, <laughs> and gypsies. This is this is a, a uh, yeah. an international affair here uh, at the the Fremont Town Hall. Um, yeah, I I think this is. I, I'm glad that this is here because th- they sound like they're having fun on on this song, and and I think that's uh, that's always something that that makes for for good records is. Um, players enjoying themselves and what they're playing. Uh, I love the, um, the, uh, the, the spoken, uh, last it's Halloween. Uh, there's a, there's a, I'm certain 100% chance that, uh, at least bits and snippets of this song will end up on somebody's, uh, Halloween mix this year. (laughs) Uh, You're right that with, without this one and foot foot, this album would be a lot less fun. Like uh, the, these, sure. those two songs add a lot of uh, personality to the album that some of the other songs just don't do as much of. I, I mean, it's a lot of like as we've talked about, standard kind of teenage, uh, you know, questioning. Ennui has been said already. That kind of thing. Uh, it's nice to have a couple of songs like Foot Foot and Halloween that are just like well, fun, you know. So we we've talked about how they they probably didn't have a lot of musical influence in their life uh, from the outside, but I can think of one song that I am almost certain they were influenced by on here. I was looking in the lab, <laughs> God damn it! With my eyes be- so ah! they were they were clearly riffing on Bobby. Boris what year did Pickett. that come out? By the way, sixty two, my friend. Okay. So, you know, only uh, seven years later, uh, just, but yeah. they're listing monsters and they're they're doing spoken word just like uh, Boris himself would because Dracula will be there. Matt may have to uh, uh, verify, but this this song may be the only one to have like a minor chord progression at some point. Uh, did you pick that out? I, the I tabs really I was looking at in, said philosophy in, in of the, the world song. had a minor, so... No, I don't know. There, the, when it first starts, it's like instrumental at the beginning, and there's this uh, chord progression, and I'm like, "Is this going to be a Spookabilly song?" Okay, no, uh, I, I know, I remember what you're talking about now. Yeah, yes, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think it should be on all four of our Halloween mixes 2021. So I look <laughs> forward to that. Um, but uh, that's how I feel. I think that's it. I think now we're ready to talk about why everyone feels right, Logan. Right. Play the song. What the hell? <laughs> Sometimes I feel funny and call it up inside. Then for some reason, I just got to cry. Sometimes I feel happy and overflow with joy. Then things change and I start to worry. Why do I feel the way I feel? Why There's a drum fill. Oh, why do I feel? Why do I feel this way? Why do I want this episode <laughs> to be over? I don't know. Maybe because I've been working on it all day. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I do have a, a, a question here for everybody. Why do you think they insisted on sometimes playing the vocal melody on the guitar alongside the melody as it's being sung? 
Like I it's feel like, like the whole album, but I feel like that's more complicated. Like it's easier to yeah, strum it, it seems and hard sing to do. Yeah. than to try and play everything you're singing on the guitar as well. Unless they wrote, I wonder. Maybe they wrote all the melodies on guitar, but then they're not really yes. even melodies. You know what I mean? Like they're not really hooky melodies necessarily. I think Dot and Betty wrote those songs together. You know, kind of working on the the rhythms together and then Helen just kind of came in with her own thing but <laughs> she did her own thing yeah she, she was wild did her own shags thing you know that own I thing. will I will say this one starts and ends with a resemblance of a rhythm and a beat um <laughs> although once the singing starts all bets are off uh it it goes its own direction um but I I don't know this was one I actually felt like was superior to some of the others just because it felt the most cohesive i guess um then especially like you know uh, my companion and, and some of those but uh i can't tell it, you uh, why really blake maybe you can the the phrasing of the title made me laugh a little bit it's almost like a, a robot like <laughs> why do i feel <laughs> father um, why did you make like why do <laughs> well, you feel this way? What is love? It's so strange. More more of the childhood confusion narrative here. Um, and it's almost sad lines like, why do I do the things I do? It's like, dang. <laughs> but why do I do those things? I don't know. As true to uh, teenagers in the late 60s uh, as it is to just about yeah. everyone I've ever known ever. Uh, yeah, um, just a few notes and observations here. Uh, I think the intro is, is, uh, some of the best playing on the record. Um, I, I like that they, that they kind of bring it back at the end of the song. Um, my only other note was, uh, you know, kind of stoner voice. It's deep, man. Um, you know, they're, they're asking, <laughs> they're asking the big questions here. Uh, they, they've got a couple of songs where, uh, Again, the the title of the record is Philosophy of the World. Um and, yeah. and I just I give them just so many props for uh guile and, and audaciousness in 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 swinging for the fences with that theme. Well, what should we do, Logan? Okay. Well, what should we do now? I think we should go on to the next song, track eleven. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Tell me, tell me what He's a two-face, he's a disgrace, he never wins a race. Tell me, what should I do? Like, what kind of, like, are they writing about boys that never win a race? Like, are they potentially dating someone that maybe isn't that great of a racer? Can't can't run. Can't run? Can't wild? Can't get out there with the best of them? Certainly no running in the Fremont Town Hall. (laughs) But it. It sounds like they have a, a standard to live up to. So, you know, I, I, I like the fact that the Wiggins sisters have a standard. You know, like if you're gonna if you're gonna like court us and hang out with us, you gotta 
at least win a race or something. If you want to be my lover, you got to If you want to be my lover, you got to win a race. <laughs> you got to win that race. You got to beat me in a foot race. Foot foot race. Um, <laughs> foot foot race. Um why do I feel what should I do? It kind of seems like they're running out of material to, or running out of ideas toward the end of the album. <laughs> but I won't fault them too much cuz you know they are they are young folks and they're figuring all this stuff out. Um but I do love a, a song about a sad boy and a bad boy and sad <laughs> this boy, song is about a boy a bad who's boy. both. He's never, bad and he's sad. He never gave like, no joy. Tell is he me. talking to, are, are they talking about me? I mean, they I'm not might too be. good at running. They might be, bro. You ever <laughs> won any races? Matt, have you I won any, races. have you won a race before? I, I won a hopping competition in, in preschool. <laughs> it was like a oh, telethon okay. thing. I was the, I was the top hopper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that explains it all. I, this is another, uh, I, I like this song also, um, we, we've talked about the sad boy, the bad boy. I think those are great lyrics. Um, I, I'm kind of picturing this as almost like a uh, a phone call song. You know, she she's on the they're on the phone with with uh, maybe maybe they've got some girlfriends. I, I I'm assuming they have to mm. have had you know they have to know some of these kids coming to the uh, coming to the Fremont Town Hall and and maybe that's where some of this uh, some of the source material is coming from. But um, I was drawn particularly to the lines, uh, don't tell me I've had good times with him because I know they're true. Don't tell me I still love him because I know that too. Um, just kind of, uh, teenage love's hard and it can be a bummer sometimes. And and you have those conversations with yourself and with your friends. And I, I just found that really relatable. Yeah, I, I want to, uh, this is kind of could be said about a lot of these songs, but it is kind of sad to imagine them singing these songs that are incredibly honest in some ways and people just being like, what the hell? And like laughing at them and throwing stuff. Throw, like, yeah, throwing like, hands. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like to a degree, I guess, are we doing that? I, I, I don't know, but I, no, I, just I don't think we're doing that. We're not doing all. it to their face, no, obviously, no. but I, I think just, yeah. we're, we're just talking about it. We're, we're dissecting yeah. it. We're right. trying to figure out well, what uh, this was about when it happened. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't yeah. think that we're making fun of them or making them feel bad. Like, at least that's not my intent. Like, I don't want to, these were people that were, sheltered from music that were pretty much left to their own devices to come up with music at their father's behest and it's like well what are you gonna do and this is what they come up with you know they didn't know yeah this is this isn't something that it's not like they were popular kids or had a lot of friends this is definitely something that they had to come up with there on their own because they were forced to and I think that's a really interesting, you know, these are the things that they talked about. This is the things that they, they chose to highlight. Right. And I, I just think it's interesting that I, I just can't imagine the, uh, the, the gall it would, t- I don't know, gall is not the right word, but to get up on stage and like sing these songs that are so open and honest and then like have people just be like throwing things at you. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that would be hell. You know, I think they have, uh, 
something behind them that maybe was motivating them a little bit more to get through these songs, to get through these mm. performances, maybe some kind of idea of a savior, something that they wanted to express that, you know, we all have a savior. Maybe we all are redeemed in some way, however horrible we might be <laughs> conceived as. We have one of those. We have a savior. You know, all they have to do, they have to sing, they have to pray. That's how they understand what they do next. And I think that probably going to church every Sunday, having that kind of family bond, that kind of uh, religious experience every Sunday would give them some kind of meaning. And I think that we've seen sprinkles of this kind of theme throughout the album so far. Whereas we're talking about my companion or things that I wonder, or, you know, we have a savior. These are things that they, they think about that this is why they're doing what they're doing. This is what makes them happy. They're doing it for their savior. They're doing it for a reason. Maybe they're doing it for their parents or for their dad, but at some point, they're either going to do it for their dad or they're going to do it for themselves. And I would hope at this point in the album that they're doing it for themselves for some point. Amen. I, I don't really have much to add uh, with this. I, um, to, to Logan there, I, I do like that. They're, they're still asking, you know, the, the big questions uh, uh, as they have been kind of on this whole second half of the record, um, they're wondering and they're asking questions. And, and I just think that's a very, um, very relatable teenage experience of just, you know, figuring out, figuring out the world. I, I kind of wondered if this was a purposeful bookend, you know, this and philosophy of the world, mm. uh, you know, with all these question songs in between, I, I don't know if there was a purpose in that design necessarily. Um, I I'd like to point out, they don't mention Jesus specifically. So this song could be about, Satan or another <laughs> Some, entity <laughs> they could you know somebody on know. genius.com uh pointed that out they're like now they never say which savior <laughs> they could be Lord Lucifer or something you know day of the Baphomets <laughs> <laughs> it could be Baphomet himself oh man Blake you got any thoughts on Is this one yes I do the in a way this one sticks out like a sore thumb and I don't, I don't mean that disparagingly, but let me let me give a comparison. In the uh, Amy Grant album "Heart in Motion," so this is the LP where uh, it was kind of controversial that she decided to go completely secular. So they were all pop songs, uh, not about God and Jesus, but about romance and stuff. And there, there are a few bangers on there. I'm not gonna lie, "Baby, Baby" um, is a, is a bop. Yeah. Oh yeah, there, and there's a few bops that, that deeper cuts. The very last song though is all about Jesus, and it has you know has the word Jesus in it many times. And it's kind of like, wait, was this all a trick? This was an undercover, uh, undercover Jesus album. Um, and of, of course, if you want to write 
uh, a song or an album about uh, faith and religion, of course, that's fine. I just think it's a little weird to sneak up on you with the last track being more explicitly uh, kind of like a faith message. I, I, It's kind of weird. It just sticks out to me a lot. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's nonspecific. Um, but we, we all, I think we all know which savior they're talking about. Um, I hope, it, I hope it brings, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it, it, uh, brings them the, uh, the peace of mind they're, they're looking for. Cause that, as they say in the lyrics, I don't understand. And that's, that's another thesis statement for the album. I feel like. All right. Are we ready to uh, do our? Do we want to do our ratings first? Do we want to talk about our? Yeah, we'll just talk about our ratings, kind of overall how we felt. You know, I'll I'll start us off. I think that this album is, it's a very rare album, and I think this is something that you have to look really, you know, a little bit deeper into than just your surface level uh, reaction to it. I think these are. It's important to note that these girls are isolated. They don't have any form of like or idea of what music should be, uh, what they should be doing. This is left to their own devices to come up with their own kind of music and their own kind of sound. And I think that this is something that um, if you're if you don't have any kind of guidance on, I mean, how do you really rate something? And I really liked um, what they said. earlier about how if if it's good music by people that are good that you should just like it and listen to it i think i kind of agree with that i feel really sorry for him i i think this is a situation that's very bizarre and unfortunate and i i feel that they're probably forced into this and that there's not really a whole lot of um of their own doing on on these songs but from what they did do i appreciate that they did do it and that they did it with such a a whole heart you know they did it without any kind of fear they did it against their better judgment they knew that they weren't ready for an album they weren't ready to perform these songs but they did anyway because they were forced to that that's what they were expected to do and they obeyed. And I think that we should respect them for that. I think there's something very strangely bizarre about the whole situation that we can't look past. And it's a form of abuse. Really it is. And I, I find it so sad that these, these women were forced to make music that they probably didn't really want to do or feel at the time. But At the same time, there's something to be said for what they did say, their honesty, their hard work, and I really think they should be commended for what they've done. So I liked liked about nine out of the 12 songs, so that landed me about 75%. I like 75% of this album. It's not like it's something that I would listen to just for kicks and enjoyment, uh, but I really respect where they're coming from and what they had to deal with and what they were forced to do. And they made do with what they, they had and what they were forced to do. And so I think that there's a very interesting outsider art aspect to this that, you know, I'll give them three, what is it? Three or 3.5 stars out of, you know, whatever, (laughs) 
little sports cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I think they deserve that because this isn't what they they were expecting to do with their time. They just wanted to, you know, grow up, get married, have kids, maybe become secretaries. Nothing, you know, like <laughs> that's what they said. They expected, oh, did like, they? they thought that, yeah, they thought, uh, like, maybe they'd become secretaries or, you know, they okay. weren't like, you know, just going for the, the stars. They weren't shooting for the stars. They were just wanting, yeah. you know, a, a normal kind of life in Fremont, New Hampshire, because I don't think they'd even been to Boston at this point. I don't think they'd ever been to Boston. It was only like 50 miles away. So I think with what they had, what they were given, the situation that they were given, I think that they did the best they could do, and I can only commend them for that. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Well, uh, well said. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure what I can add to that uh, that hasn't already been said. I do feel like maybe I'm being overly uh, cruel then a little bit in my judgment here because I, I, I kind of think about this in terms of uh, how many songs can I say I will actually go back and, and listen to for enjoyment. Um, that's sort of been my barometer for a lot of these albums we've done so far. Um, as far as sure. you know, being critical of this album, I, I did have a, a time trying to think like, on the one hand, you know, they weren't necessarily trying to make music out of a genuine desire to make music. You know, like it wasn't like this is their goal, this is their life dream. And so on the one hand, I'm kind of like, it's not that bad to actually poke fun at it. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, they sure. didn't actually do this because they were trying, like, I think it'd be almost worse if they were genuinely trying to make good music and this is their, yeah. you know, career choice. And people were like, boo, you know, <laughs> like I'm talking in modern day, not in the Fremont hall, uh, music hall. That would be bad to boo them there, but cause they're kids, but, you know, thinking back on it now, I almost feel like it's not that bad to 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 look at it sort of, you know, as this music is not good, uh, because again, they weren't actually trying to make good music. On the other hand, it's not really their fault, as Logan said. You know, the child abuse thing kind of comes up, and you're like, eh, you know, can you really make fun of these people or criticize these people who? you know, we're, we're in a situation where they were being forced to do this. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll just cut it short and say, I actually gave this uh, a zero. <laughs> is that too harsh? <laughs> yeah. Because it, I thought about it. Harsh. Like, I don't think there's That's a single harsh. song that I'll come back to. I Josh, can't think of a single song that yeah. I will come back to, to be yeah. like, I just got to put this on and tap my foot. Not you know? even philosophy of the world. Let me ask I, you this, I don't, Josh. I don't think so. I don't think so. Really? You're a teacher. Yeah. Th- would, would you give a zero to a student to who their turned in faith? something? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. Okay, you've convinced me. That's a good. That's a good point. <laughs> that's, that's a, a good, good point. point right yeah. there. Okay, yeah. I'll change yeah. my ranking. I'm Start gonna over. A, I'm going to give it a one. Okay. No more than that. More than that. You got to no. give it more than that, Josh. <laughs> you can assign the grade. You guys stare. can't browbeat me into upping they my rating. Understand yeah. what they're Let doing? Let him give his silly <laughs> ass rating. If I'm. I've been going this whole time by how many songs would I like save to my Spotify library, come back and listen to, you know, and, and I just don't think there's any, but I will give them the one. Okay. I'll give them a 10% here. Uh, one out of five cat feet. 
is what I'm you won't go with. come back to my pal foot foot or it's Halloween or philosophy of the world. Not those not three out at of least? pure enjoyment. I mean, I might play them like listen to this. This is weird, but I can't like put it in a playlist and just be sitting around being like, this song really it's it's it rocks, guys. That being said, when we do our superlatives in a second, I'm going to point out a banger. So <laughs> I guess that kind of works oh, against yeah. my plan. But but a club yeah, I, I just I gotta go with I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna go with a ten percent. It would be effort. funny to put any of these on a dance mix. That, one is and, not ten uh, percent, by the way. I'm dumb. Twenty percent. Matt Matt is probably frowning right now. Um, yeah, he's Blake. Uh, what What do you okay. think? This well, th- this is where that the your your mathematical counting of songs system breaks down. <laughs> it 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 do- doesn't always work in these strange uh, cases. So I I go more off of just a gut feeling of how I rate the overall product as a whole, and my feeling may change from day to day. That said, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna give this album is a um well. I'm I'm stealing what Josh did, but I'm going to give it a cat with two feet. Um, as musically on a technical level, it just doesn't work for me. Uh, other and there aren't songs that I want to go back to other than just as an artifact. There's nothing like it, and I might show other people, "Hey, look at this this uh, incredible musical artifact." And but uh, I want to give it two feet. One for just just the story of it. The uh, the curiosity of it and, and and just being a a musical relic, and um, the other foot uh, for the Wiggins sisters uh, who may have never won a Grammy, but let let's give them a, a little something. Uh, let's be honest, it, what their dad did was not right, <laughs> but uh, it is nice to see based on um, seeing them play uh, in recent years that they weren't so traumatized, I guess that, that they're, they're actually able to come back to some of these songs and it, and enjoy themselves and get enjoyment out of it and uh, uh, have an audience that is cheering them on, not throwing things at them. And that's nice to see that that's a, a puts a pleasant, it's a shining light at the end of, of a story that uh, is, is, Kind of nasty in in the early parts, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, it was a really hard one to to rate or even or even think about and and uh, talk about objectively. But two footed cat, I, I've said some of this before, um, but I, I think this is a record that more than most records, it, it's really you know you're going to take away what you want to take away from it and you know there there are parts that that might appeal to you or or might stick out to you and and you know we we've had um a lot of different opinions you know just on the show you know about what has has stuck out to us um and everything that you know they've said in interviews that when they were making the record even you know it was kind of a hey they they weren't taking it seriously. It's you know, hey, let's get this done. You know, it, it's a very workman approach, and that in and of itself, I think, imbues some meaning and some experience that that can be conveyed over this medium. And I think that's why it's been so compelling. Uh, is that we're able to we're able to share in that experience 
through this, you know, this Blake used the term artifact and and I had that down as well. Through this sonic artifact, we're communing with these these women and these players and these musicians and and just, you know, sharing those feelings. And I I, I think that's really powerful. Um yeah. in a world of, you know, Murray Wilson's and uh, Joe Jackson, uh, my, my wife and I have been watching mm-hmm. the Selena TV show, you know, Abraham Quintanilla, um, the Culkins, you know, in, in all of these examples of, you know, driven showbiz parents that are successful, there are, you know, countless Austin Wigginses out there who loom large in the childhoods of of their children uh you know the early lives of their children and i'm i'm glad that you mentioned blake that they were able to come back and you know play for people and 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 enjoy playing uh, for, uh, you know, for, for playing sake, or at least I hope they enjoy it. And I, and I hope that they're, you know, that they're making some money off of it as well. Um, uh, in that same interview, uh, they mentioned going back to the old property. They, they took, uh, John Ronson, is that his name? Uh, back to the property and yeah. they were, they were talking about how the, they had sold it and the new owners had burned the house down and, in the flames, they said that they saw the face of a man, oh, and yeah. and in the I window, was just so burning. so compelled by you know kind of that that specter of of this oh man who who is uh, has you know this record wouldn't exist without him, but it also exists in spite of him. Plagued the lives of these women, and you and know, you know I, I don't want to you know I'm sure that there are journalists out there who have who have you know more thoroughly researched and, you know, go check out that, that New Yorker article. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make right. claims that, 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 you know, are, are unsubstantiated, but, uh, but yeah, I was just really, really taken with that image. Um, I, yeah. I, I almost wanted to rate this record to, uh, flaming faces, but I, I think that's a little bit too macabre. <laughs> so I'm going to rate this record <laughs> yeah. to, uh, Japanese guitars, because uh, I I think when you look at that that album cover and you see those guitars that there there is no guitar that that is more suited for this record than than what's on that album cover so so a, a solid two Japanese import guitars for Philosophy of the World by the Shacks interesting all right so let's talk about our bangers so my banger is obviously it's Halloween that song <laughs> rules. I love the little part that's like, even Dracula will be there. <laughs> and it's Halloween. Like I Frankenstein. I'll be honest, I tried so hard. I tried I tried guys, but I was already bogged down. I wanted to do a a really cool version of it's halloween on my own where it was mm. remixed with uh it, even dracula will be there and it's halloween and i tried to do that but i didn't make it so i i apologize hopefully it'll be on next year's uh halloween mix but um sure but that was my banger my banger is philosophy of the world the song i feel like it's the uh the most cohesive of, of the bunch same my, mine was between who are parents and uh, it's Halloween. Uh, it it's really hard to pick a banger out of these for me, but but who are parents has the earworm, like I was talking about the only chorus hook that uh, 
that stuck with me. So what about don't sleep on it? Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on philosophy of the world. I think this song, the titular track of the album, is really what kind of like defines the album for me. I think this is lyrically where they're at their best. I think that they're really getting across kind of the point of the whole album. I think they do a fine job of describing what they believe to be the philosophy of the world, that nobody's going to be happy no matter what side you choose. And I think that's very pertinent. I think it's very, um, I don't know, it's very profound. I, uh, I went with Why Do I Feel?, I feel like it's it's sort of got that thing where it's placed on the back half. By that point, I'm sh- assuming most people have probably turned this off. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's the one, though, that I feel like had, I, I don't know, there's something about it that I just feel like kind of was the the most earnest of, of this bunch and had kind of a, a good uh, rhythm and beat comparatively relative to the others, I should say. I got to say it's Halloween a gimme uh much for the same reasons as josh uh, don't sleep on the bad boy the sad boy what should i do <laughs> okay so what are we gonna skip, skip, it, skip it. i'm gonna skip my companion that shit is hot garbage <laughs> i <laughs> second I that i also really really hate that song like out of all the <laughs> songs i was just like wow this is really the roughest of them all i really can't get through this song there's nothing redeeming about it i can't get through it i said i'm so happy when you're near it, it did nothing for me and it was a, a big meh uh, I, I had we had a savior, but but I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna agree that uh, my companion uh, is, is the weaker song. You can you can skip. Wow, it. yeah, three yeah. skips on that one. I yeah, mean, I think my savior has a little bit more together than you would think it it does. It, I like it sounds a little bit more like I I feel like they kind of really had that one together already. They they felt they felt like they had something to say with that one. They probably had it worked out a little bit more. More so than compared to my companion, I think that was probably the under uh practiced one, the one they didn't feel as familiar <laughs> with because it was just you know hot, rough garbage. All right, then. So, if I were to cover <laughs> one of these songs, I think I'm gonna cover my pal Foot Foot. You know, you can't go wrong with Foot Foot. Everybody wants pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser. Everybody wants to know what happens to Foot Foot. Nobody wants to see anything foul happen to Foot Foot. Nobody well, wants I, anything. Can I can I interject here and just say I'd, I'd like to retract my earlier comment about putting are, Foot Foot down. I don't know. If are you going to try to like fuck up Foot Foot? Are oh, you going to try to like kill Foot Foot or something? Because if that's going to happen, did, I can't stand. I for did it. mention earlier about the quality of life for Foot Foot cannot be too high, and the cat should be put down. So I retract no. my comments. We don't know. Yes, Foot Foot's life could be very fulfilling. You can't and shame I, uh, Foot Foot. You can't shame the dog from the other episode I'm either. You. you just gotta just like let these animals be they can live a full life look it up i know i just in 1968 that's the only thing i have to say um they have bionic legs now (laughs) bionic foot foot (laughs) it's just like a million dollar man million dollar foot foot uh my cover was it's halloween i actually had that down before logan you mentioned that you had uh 
chosen that you were going to try and work up a cover of it. So I think it's one that would be a, a great one to, to actually try to come up with a cover of for sure. Uh, my cover is philosophy of the world. Um, I, I think that's the strongest track on the record, and I, I think it would be a fun one to uh, to kind of you know do an arrangement of and, and put together and, and tap into that um, that that big that big question. I would do who are parents, but I would do a creepy, haunting, slow doo-wop version of it, like something out of Twin Peaks bottle of minty type deal. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm I'm down. All right. So, guys, we made it through <laughs> the shags. Philosophy yes. of the world. Thank you so much. I, I know that that was probably a hard one to listen to, but I just couldn't tough. I couldn't get over the story of this, uh, of these girls. You know, I think it's important to immortalize them in this way that being forced to do something like that, at least something mm-hmm. has, you know, something good has to come from it. They 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 made something good in spite of the situation, right. not because of it, you know. Right, and I think that 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 was the highlight. So I really appreciate you guys listening to this. Uh, Josh, do you want to tell us about what we're going to be listening to next time? Because we're going to be well, starting a so new artist, I, right? Yes, but I, here's what I want to do. I want to say I'll reveal that next week when we do our pregame. So. For those people that are wondering what we're going to do next, uh, we will talk about what the next series will be next week on the pregame episode. So a little teaser there to uh, listen to the pregame and and see what we're going to cover next if you want to listen along. But it'll be interesting. Mm. There are some connections to, I'll drop a couple hints, uh, connections to previous discography subjects, including um, another group that is the children of immigrants, of first-generation immigrants. I think we've had that theme on a couple. Heim, right? Wasn't one of the Heim parents an immigrant and at the drive-in? the the dad. At the drive-in as well. Yep. Um, So uh, that's kind of a theme there. And this is another group that has at least, uh, I know two of the members um, had parents that were first-generation immigrants. And also, I mean, this is just a, a, this is a very specific connection to a previous subject, but uh, one of the members uh, was also a lifelong diabetic. So like the, uh, like SD Heim actually, Kindred spirit for sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll reveal that next week. On the All pre-game. right. Well, thank you very much for listening, folks. I know this is, if you've been following along, this probably was a difficult one to follow along with. <laughs> but we appreciate it because we, we believe that these girls, dele- uh, you know, at least deserve some kind of credit for what they had to go through to make this album. So thank you very much. So we will see you next week. We will be doing our pregame for the next artist that you will hear soon. So please tune in. Thank you so much for listening to Discographology, and we will see you next week. Once again, thank you for listening, liking, downloading, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, following, and supporting. This has been another episode of More of That Presents Discographology. You can find us on multiple platforms such as Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify. To link up with our social media, visit at More of That Band on Facebook, at Discograph Pod on Twitter, and at more of that presents on Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel for more of that presents discographology. 
As a band, we write and record our own music that can be found on streaming platforms like YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. For the most up-to-date, check out moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Our podcast is brought to you by the Ox Audio Network that features a variety of quality podcasts such as Are You There Pod? A show about young adult novels hosted by Blake and Jessica. Shelf Life, a toy collector's podcast featuring Adam and Blake. And new international show Lupine Transmissions for all things strange, dark, and unusual featuring Tom G. Wolf. For special bonus content, visit and support our Patreon for Ox Audio. That's patreon.com forward slash A-U-X-A-U-D-I-O. Thanks again. And as always, don't forget to listen to music. a shout out to the following sources that I used Susan Orlean and the Meet the Shags article from the New Yorker Jeff Suick from Medium.com Irene Latcher from Los Angeles Times Deborah Ray Cohen and Rolling Stone and John Ronson from BBC Radio 4 Thank you so much This is a song about a cat named Toby called Toby's name. Yo. My name's Lil Matt and I'm here to say that I love cats, feral, neutered, or spayed. But here's one thing no one knows. My cat Toby has six toes. Toe-toe-toe, 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 you take your paw out. Shake your tail, then you leave the house. Parents said you're coming home. Toby, why did you leave me alone? I know that you're coming back. That's why I wrote you this rap. I'd go to the pound, but dogs are lame. I'd get a new cat, but it's not the same. I like that you're my cat. Pretty rad, you have six toes. You run away from me? 
I don't know why you do, but Toby, it's true, you're stunting on these hoes. I'm a cat guy. Uh, I'm a cat guy.